Welcome to the Rise Up series. This is a series for men. The world is knocking men down and trying to keep them from their God-ordained purpose, to lead others out of darkness and into the light. Every man knows what it feels like to get knocked down, but not every man knows how to get back up again. And if a man gets knocked down enough times, he may even stop trying to get back up again. This series is intended to help men stand against the onslaught from the culture that might knock them down and will help those men who have been knocked down to get back up again. God has called you to a higher purpose. Welcome to Rise Up. going through this series, Rise Up. So if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians 5. In the men's study, you have been, uh, you've been talking about and exploring the reality, discussing the reality of evil in the world. And as we look around this world, would we characterize, characterize these days as good or evil? It doesn't take really very much imagination or even that much being tuned in with this world to know that, you know, these are pretty evil days that we're living in. You know, it's in the future, when we look back on these days, are we going to refer to them as the good old days? I don't, I don't think so. The Apostle Paul looked at the times that he was living in. And his, his description of them is, is they, were, they weren't all that great. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 5, starting in first, verse 15, it says this, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. As Paul is looking around his, his culture, his time, he's saying that the days are evil. And well, that was almost 2,000 years ago. Things have gotten so much better, right? No, it has not. Matter of fact, we're getting better at doing evil. As culturally, <clears throat> the world is getting just more proficient at evil, normalizing evil at, at levels that we've never even imagined before. We can say that there's more evil happening in the world today than ever, ever before. <clears throat> Even though knowledge has grown exponentially, there's no, the good that ought to come from that knowledge is, is less than the evil that comes from it. You know, even things like we think of things like, like AI. I'm fascinated by AI, but you, know, we, you know, look at people that are you know, experts in AI. They're warning. They're, they're, they're warning people saying, hey, we've got we've to put limits on this because there's a great danger to it. And if the people that are promoting something like that are warning us that there's a, a serious danger there, then you got to know the people out there that are determined to do evil are going to find an evil way to use it. And so these are the kinds of things, this is the, kind of, this is the world that we're living in. And, and no, no honest person could say today that today is better than it was in the past. That things, even though things are getting easier, th even though things like we have our mobile devices and you do all, just about anything you want to do on a mobile device, it's not making life better. It's not making it easier. It's making it easier to do evil. 
Is there anything that we can be doing about it? Is there anything we should be doing about this? And Paul says here in these verses, there's two things that we don't want to miss as we're walking in these evil days. The first thing he says is to walk circumspectly. That means to think about what you're doing and to take it seriously. Don't be foolish. We're living in a world where yeah, things like Dylan Mulvaney. I mean, if there's anything more foolish in the world, I can't imagine it. You know, this guy who's pretending to be a girl, it is the most foolish thing I've, I've, I've seen in probably in my lifetime. And yet the world is you know, dancing around rejoicing in this foolish, foolish man. Walk circumspectly. Walk carefully, mindfully, thoughtfully about the things that we're doing. Don't be foolish. The second thing that Paul says there is redeeming the time. And so the message there for us is the idea of redeeming the time is like buying back the time or, or probably a simpler way of describing it is don't waste time. Why? Because time for us only moves in one direction. And you know, once we pass a moment, it's gone. You know, the, you know the, that well, if we waste time, there's no way to buy it back. It's, it's just gone. And so we got to be careful, redeem this time, that we have, we have this amount of time, let's use it, let's use it wisely, let's don't, let's don't waste it. And so, you know, we can't, we can't get it back once it's gone. So Paul continues on here in this text, in verse 17, he says, Therefore, do not be unwise, which obviously, if we're trying not to be foolish, we don't want to be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Because the days are evil, godly wisdom is more important than ever before. We need the wisdom of God because we're surrounded by foolishness and evil and wrong ideas and ideologies and 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 we're being and and, the, and these wrong ideas are being put forward so forcefully that that you know it, it, it's it's like anything if you press hard enough and long enough against something you're going to push that stinking thing over and i think that's what we're seeing in you know in our lives as there's so much pressure to you know to capitulate to the culture that you you've just gotta you've gotta you gotta continue to resist and if you put your guard let your guard down you're gonna capitulate you're gonna give in on things maybe not on everything but you might start giving in on something and we gotta be careful with that we can't we can't do that we need to understand what the will of the Lord is and so and so because the days are evil Knowing what the Lord is, is is a little bit harder to discern than it used to be. It used to be a lot easier. It's a little bit harder today. You know, example, how do you respond to the person who wants you to use pronouns that contradict with their obvious gender? How do you, how do you deal with that? How do you behave around the person who's screaming at you because you believe that abortion is the taking of a human life and that it's wrong? What do you say to a person who, sa who believes that men can give birth to babies? What do you say to these people? Now, we all might have answers to those questions, and I think most of us do have answers to all of those questions. But do our answers reflect love, 
grace, mercy, peace, hope? Does it reflect the compassion of God? That's where we need wisdom. That's where we need godly wisdom. Because sometimes it's not as simple as just saying, hey, no, that's not the way it's supposed to be. Will our answers draw them near to God or push them further into their sin? You know, in these and every circumstance of evil we see in this world that we're confronted with, we must pause and pray and ask God what his will is. God, how would you have me to respond to this person in this moment? Now, I know how I would respond to many of these things. Is it always the right way? I don't know. It will depend on the next person that shows up and that's their issue and they're trying to push their ideology on me or get me to agree with what, you know, whatever delusion they're living in. You know, I'm going to have to, you know, I'm going to have to approach those every time they come up. But we must exercise self-control and not allow our flesh to blurt out whatever thing pops into our mind in that moment. We must wait and seek and know what the Lord's will is in that moment for that person in that circumstance because there is no one answer for everything. There's no one way to respond to every single person. We must be patient. We must be seeking God. Paul continues with this thought in verse 18. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, the reality is for us, guys, and we, I think we all know this, that anything that diminishes our ability to hear from God, to hear from God his will, his word, his way, his love, whatever it is, anything that diminishes our ability to hear his word, and we're not just talking about alcohol and drugs, it could be anything that diminishes our ability to hear from the Lord, then we need to, we need to take that seriously and decide whether or not it belongs in our life or not. If anything is taking you away from hearing what God would say to you about any circumstance, then we ought to consider it suspect, and we ought to consider it possibly something that needs to be gone from our lives. And if we don't avoid them, you know, the, the answer is, you know, if we, if we allow these things to diminish our ability to hear from God, then we're going to be more susceptible to the evil of the world around us. We're going we're gonna to be, be more vulnerable to the influences of that evil if we allow ourselves to be diminished in any way. So he says, instead, be filled with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is holy, right? Does that make sense to anybody? The Holy Spirit is holy, and what is he, what is his, and he's, and he's dwelling within us. And what do you think his purpose and, and, and goal is within us to make us holy? That's what you're thinking. I know it was to make us holy as, as God is holy. You know, the Holy Spirit's in us to, and one of the things he's doing, helping us to make us holy and to lead us to, toward God's will. To, to bring us into that place where we know God's will. Again, we can't be diminished in any way. We can't allow anything to, to draw our, our, our influence away from that so we can sense his influence. Now, Paul is going to conclude this thought by reminding us that, that, that God would have us to know, to, to relate to others as well. So verse 19, continue on. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. None of us by ourselves can stand in these evil days. 
and and hope to be successful. We need each other, and we, you know, guys, you guys are, you know, preaching to the choir here and the, you know, in the men. Uh, but the reality is, the more the more connected we are to one another, the easier it is to stand in the evil days. The easier it is to stand when when things get hard. We need each other. So skip down to verse ten of chapter six. The days are evil, but what we need to know, that doesn't mean we're going to be defeated. That the, the, the evil in the world around us is evil, and the reality is it's going to continue to be evil, and it's probably going to be more evil. Um, you know, hope there, you know, every now and then there's a little glimmers of hope that things might get better, but then, you know, and then, never mind. Um, I was going to say something political. I'll save it for later. We aren't going to be defeated. Verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to, to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Lord saying to us, we need to do our part. We need to put on those spirit, that spiritual armor that allows us to stand in the evil day. And then once we've done our part, what are we called to do? Stand. You know, it doesn't require us going on the offensive. It doesn't require us, you know, attacking the enemy. It doesn't require us, you know, it says stand just to stand. We put on our armor. We recognize the battle is coming to us. And then we also recognize if we are led into a battle, who's going to fight the battle for us? The Lord is. We stand. And we do what he says. If he calls us to do something, we respond and we do that. But ultimately, it's God that's going to do the fighting. So turn to Ephesians chapter 2, back a couple of pages to Ephesians 2. I guess I really like Ephesians today. The days are evil, but in Christ and in fellowship with God's people, we are able to stand in this evil day. And, and we're able to do it not because of ourselves. There's nothing in us that's able to do it. It's because God in us. It's because of the Holy Spirit in us. It's because Christ in us. It's because of the word of God in us. All of those things in us make us able to stand in the evil day. You know, all of us can look around and say that these days are evil. But that's not always the case. There was a time when we might not have characterized these days as evil. Most of us, many of us maybe, unless you were saved at a very young age, might have said that some of the days were bad, but you probably wouldn't have called them evil. And there was a reason for that. In Ephesians 2, starting in verse 1, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air in the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath just as the others. We used to be part of the evil. We wouldn't call it evil because we were part of it. We didn't characterize the days as evil because we were adding to the evil. And we were going the way of the rest of the world was going. But praise God, he didn't leave us there that, right? Verse 4. 
But God, I love those when you see that phrase like that, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus till, or excuse me, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. It's by God's grace that we've been saved, right? We all know that. We have talked about that. You guys are all there. You're all saved. You're all believers in Jesus Christ. You know that there was a point, probably, you might even be able to remember the time before you were saved. I remember the time before I was saved. And I remember how I related to the things of the world. And, and then after I was saved, it was different. It changed. And I became a different person. And we've been saved from the darkness of our sin. And Colossians 1, 13 and 14 says this. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. Before we were saved, we were children of the darkness. We were part of the evil. We were part of the problem. And once we were saved, God took us, conveyed us, transported us, translated us, whatever word you want to use, moved us from the darkness and into the light. Now we are now children of light. Matter of fact, the only reason why we know evil is evil is because we are children of light. We see the evil because the darkness is very obvious to us as the children of the light. You know, those who are still in the darkness cannot comprehend the light. They're blind. They can't see it. And Paul goes on to say something to us that's very important and really the, the main point of this message. Something that's important in these evil days. In verse 10 of Ephesians 2, it says this, for we, that's us believers, are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. What should we be doing in these evil days? Well, Paul seems to say we should be doing good works. Well, which then begs the question, what is a good work? It takes us back to walking circumspectly and walking in wisdom. We've got to know what the will of the Lord is. We need to know what the will of the Lord is in every circumstance of our life, in every moment of our life, every situation we come to in our life. You know, when that rattlesnake shows up out in the yard, what are we going to do with that? Well, how, yeah, I, pretty much I know what I'm going to do with it. But, you know, the, but, you know we, got, we got at least, you know, you know, at least, you know, give some attention to what God wants us to do about it. It requires effort to know God's will. Deliberate effort to know what God wants. We have to stop. We look at a situation, there's an option here. There's, a, there's something here that I need to know what God's will is for. What should I do in that moment? Ask him, <laughs> ask him what his will is. It's a big thing, maybe one of those life altering things. Not only should I ask him, but maybe I should seek his will in his word. Maybe I should speak to his people. You bring his people into the, into, into the process. It takes effort. It takes effort 
to get out there and get connected to the things and the people where God's good works are, are best described to us, where we can know what God's good works are and we know where to do them and how to do them. You know, you know doing good works can be as simple as being kind to someone. You know, Arnie was, you know, sharing when he was sharing earlier about, you know, just trying to be a light, you know, when he's dealing with these, with people that, you know, in a, in a system that is sometimes very complicated and maybe broken in, in, in different ways and areas. And, you know, just being a light in that situation, being kind. You know, I, we've all been around, you know, if you've ever been in a doctor's office or in a, in a place where, you know, things like this are going on, you'll almost always see somebody who's bothered, upset, and, and, they're, and, they're, and they're often taking it out on the person sitting right, standing right in front of them, a, a re, you know, receptionist who has no authority and no decision-making ability, and, and, you know, they're taking the brunt of that, and that, that's not kind. And, we under, and I can understand why somebody might be upset, but we can be kind to people. Even those people who are being mean and ugly to us, we can be kind to them. We don't want to, right? Nobody, nobody wants to be nice to that person that's being mean to us or, is, or, is, or whatever. But the fact is that we can be kind. We can offer to pray for someone who is struggling. We've just done that for Arnie. We're going to do it for another brother here before too long. You know, it, it, it might just be, you know, just giving somebody a gracious, loving response when they do something dumb around us, when they're unkind to us, or when they do something or say something that's offensive to us. You know, our natural response is to, to you know, take it out on them, but to the good work the, the, that God would have us to do in these evil days might be something, something much more gentle and humble than that. That's not easy. Other times it might be speaking the truth in love. When evil is put forth is good. I think we should speak the truth in love whenever evil is, is promoted as good. The Bible also does tell us not to cast our pearls before swine, so sometimes saying the right thing is is not going to be good and they you know they will turn around and try to eat you um you know so we ought to be careful when we say what we say and when we say it but if we do speak we ought to speak truth and we ought to speak it in love as men we're to stand by faith on the truth of god and the only way we know that is in the word. Now, you guys know that. You're, you guys are in the word. You guys are, are doing that hard work of, of getting to know God and his will through his word, right? Say, yes, pastor, we are good. And we need to always keep in mind that the world doesn't understand that. The world doesn't understand good works, it doesn't understand that why we're doing what we're doing. It doesn't understand why we would, we would consider doing a good work when there's evil all around us. And, and, and they may not even appreciate it. They may, they may hate it. And Jesus said that. Jesus warned us in John 15, 18 and 19. He said, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. You know, if, if the world's offended by you, by your faith, or, you know, you speaking the truth in love, okay, well, they hated Jesus for doing the same thing, and they did it to him 2,000 years ago. 
If you were of the world, if you were of this evil world, the world would love its own. You know, if the world hates you, then there's a reason for that. It says, yet you are, because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. You know, and we as a, you know, as a creature, we don't want to be hated. You know, most people, you know, some people don't care. So I don't care. If you want to hate me, go ahead. You know, but that's not natural. Most people, they want to be accepted. They want to be loved. They want to be accepted and loved by as many people as is humanly possible. The problem is when we're in an evil day, when, it, when we are surrounded by evil, and evil seems to be glorified in every turn, for us to be accepted and loved by those around us, we have to be them. We have to be like them. And that's not how God would have us to be. God would have us to live a life that is different, to live, us, live a life that exposes ourselves to the hate of this world and to do it fearlessly, unafraid of how they might respond. And that applies to all areas of our life, whether it be in our family, our community, our jobs, our schools, our church. Hopefully it doesn't happen in your church. It's not going to happen in this church, I hope. But if you try to do good, there are going to be those that are opposed to it, offended by it. And, and we can't be afraid of that. The world needs God's men to do good works the good works that God prepared for them long ago. And because we are God's children, doing good works in the name of Christ, the children of darkness will hate us. Now, we shouldn't be surprised by that. If they hated Jesus, they're gonna hate us. But we shouldn't be afraid of it either. That is so important. It's don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of what they might do or say. You remember the Apostle Paul, he was well acquainted by being hated. He, was real, he, he, he did what was good and right wherever he went, and he got hated pretty regularly. And that hate got manifested in some very physical ways. Remember, if you ever read his accounts in Corinthians about the stuff that he went through, it, it was pretty tough stuff, more than most of us will ever go through. But it didn't keep him from doing God's will. If he, if he got in a situation and he knew what God's will, he did it, regardless of what the consequences would be. He said this in 2 Timothy 4, 17 and 18. As a result, because he knew something, he did God's will because he knew something about God as absolute truth. And I think this is important for all of us. We need to know this is absolute truth because it comes right out of God's word. 2 Timothy 4, 17 and 18. But... The Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion and the Lord will deliver me because of what the Lord has done. He knows what the Lord will do and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. This is 2 Timothy. You know what 2 Timothy was, right? The last letter that Paul wrote before he was, before he was martyred. 
And so, you know, Paul says, I, I, I have done what God has called me to do. I have done it as fearlessly as I know how. He has stood with me. He has protected me. He's kept me out of the mouth of the lion. And I know that going forward, he's going to do the same thing. Even though it won't be very long after that. In the very letter, he says, oh, by the way, my life is being poured out. I'm almost done here. But he's saying here that God will deliver him. How's he going to deliver him? To heaven. Okay, I, 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 I know how this is all going to end. I know how this story ends. Yes, I'm going to keep going, and if they give me another chance to preach the truth of Jesus Christ, I'm going to do it, even if it means they cut my head off, which they did, cut his head off. We should not be surprised or afraid of the world when it hates us for doing good works. It will do that. It will hate us. And, and, you know, depending on how, what God's calling us to do, he may not call you to, you know, to, you know, to be, you know, to be a Paul or, a, a, you know, somebody else who's, you know, really putting yourself out there on the front lines. They may call you to some other good work that maybe, maybe not so many people will see and, and, and the world won't have a reason to hate you the way that it hates others. But we still, are, every one of us has got to do those good works that God sets before us. We cannot shrink back. In the, if the days are evil, which somebody say they are. Okay, thank you, one of you. Thank you. They are. And so, and so, so we cannot shrink back. We, the, the only hope this world has is that the world sees the good works of Jesus Christ through God's people. And as men, we ought to be out in front. I mean, we shouldn't expect our, our women folk to do it right. We shouldn't expect them to be out in front. We should be the ones leading the charge, lead, staying out there and doing those things that are good with, without regard to what might come. And we can't be afraid that the world might turn against us if we do it. It might. Now, we, we understand we can't drive out the darkness. That's, that's God's work, and God's got a plan for that. Our work, and this, is, this has already been stated a couple of times this morning, our work is to be a light in the darkness. Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. We have got to do those things that, that allow people to see God. It's our good works that do that. We are living in evil times, and they seem to be getting darker every single day. Things that, that when we were growing up, when we were younger, everybody thought they were horrible. Everybody thought they were perversion and disgusting and, and abominable and, and, and unacceptable are now being promoted as if they are expressions of courage and, and, and the highest good, the most perverse things on, we can imagine are being normalized as, as natural and right. I don't think there's ever been a time in human history that needed men, men of God, to rise up and to do the good works that God established for them more than today. Walk circumspectly. Take this life seriously. Be thoughtful about how you are living it. 
don't waste this life. We need to use what time we have left to do good works to slow the darkness around us. Seek to know God's will for your life and at every encounter with those who are lost in the world, do good. Let every day be a day for good works. You know, you know, we can't always do some great big giant good work. Do small works. Do lots of small good works. A smile, a kind word, a gracious response. Just keep doing good until we are delivered from these evil days. And we all, we know that, right? Do we know that we will be delivered from these evil days? We look forward to that. We look forward to being delivered from these evil days. Doesn't mean the evil days are going away. As a matter of fact, as we, as we look at it, and I'm sure Randy's got some really great examples for tomorrow afternoon of, of some pretty evil stuff going on in the world around us. But we will be delivered from it. And that's the hope we hold on to. That, that in the end, light, good, holiness, righteousness wins. Keep doing good. Keep doing good until we are delivered from these evil days. And while you're at it, look around and find somebody that you can help to do their good works. Amen? Rise up, men of God, and do good works. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. I thank you for this blessing over this time. And we pray, Lord, I pray for these men. And, and maybe if, there's, if there are any watching online, and, and even if there are any ladies watching online right now as we're live streaming this, Lord God, that you would, um, all of us, help us to understand that we are living in evil days. And um, that's not, a, that's not a, a, a rebuke on us. It's not a rebuke on the church. The reality is the Bible said very clearly, the closer we get to the return of Jesus Christ, the worse it's going to get. And so we can see that happening, Lord. And, and, and while it is miserable living in these evil days at the same time, Lord, we can look up and rejoice because that means our redemption is nigh, that Lord Jesus, you're coming back. And so I pray, Lord, it's with that in mind, that we would keep that in mind, that you are close to returning. And because you're close to returning, we should be more diligent to do good works today than ever before. And that we ought to keep at it until the day is done, until there is nothing left for us to do, until there's nothing left of us to do anything, that we keep going and with every bit of strength, with every every bit of courage, with every bit of, of, of us, Lord, that we've got, all of our physical strength, all of our mental ability, all of our emotional stuff, Lord, we ought to bring it all to your altar, lay it down, and use it for your glory and for the doing of good works. I pray, Lord, this day, this very day, Lord God, as we walk out of this place, that you would set before each of us something good that we can do. Lord, that will shine your light into the darkness around us. I thank you, Lord, for these men. I pray for your blessing and protection over them. And I pray, Lord God, that you would use us to bring some light out into the darkness. Help us to make our light shine, Lord, that they may see our good works and glorify you. We praise you, we love you, and we lift it up to you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for the Rise Up series. It's our hope that these messages will help you to grow in your faith. If you have questions or if there's anything that we can do to help you with that, please do not hesitate 
to connect with us. Go to calvaryfv.com connect to find all the ways that you can connect with us. As Christians, we are all connected in Christ. And one of the ways that we would like to engage with you is in the area of prayer. Please let us know how we can be praying with you. Send us an email to prayer at calvaryfv.com or text the word pray to 951-419-5396. If this material has blessed you in any way, has been useful to you in any way, please share it with someone. Also, please pray that God would use these messages to help others find hope in Jesus Christ. You can also partner with us financially by going to calvaryfe.com slash give or text the word give to 951-419-5396. Until next time, go be radical with Jesus. Jesus.